Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. And I am excited about this series called Priest. And actually, if you're here and you've accepted Christ as your Savior, if you're listening, you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you are literally a priest. And that was a big deal in our home growing up because we grew up Catholic and my mom, she was a serious Catholic. I mean, she, she was in church all the time and she made every event. She made all of us be altar boys. And she would say to each of us boys, right around junior high, I prayed and I asked God that one of my boys would be a priest. And she had seven sons, I had six brothers. And she wanted one of us to be a Catholic priest. And we would just look at her when it came to my turn. I just said, Mom, I like girls and I have to get married. And if I'm a priest, I'm going to mess it up because I'm going to do something I shouldn't do as a priest. So I have to have a wife, Mom. And so she was very disappointed until we accepted Christ. And she accepted Christ. Then she discovered, hey, we're priests. All of us are priests. Now, we're not a priest like a Catholic priest or Protestant priest, and I'm not saying anything negative about what they do, but we are all priests if we accept Christ, and I like to call it a Bible priest, and it's a very incredible position that God has placed us in. So we have a theme verse for this series, and I really like it. Here it is, you ready? 1 Peter 2.5, you also like living stones are being built up into a spiritual house to be holy, a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices. So this is written to Christians. And the Bible says that we are a holy priesthood and priests do something. And what we do as priests is we offer up spiritual sacrifices. So if you were to study the New Testament, you'd find out there's six spiritual sacrifices that we're to offer up. One of them we just did, one of them we all know. I teach on it a lot, so I'm not even gonna bring it into this series, although this series will enhance it, and that's our worship. Worship is a sacrifice that we offer up to God. So I won't even do a lesson on worship, but we're gonna talk about the other five sacrifices, and that will enhance our worship, because when we worship, like every other sacrifice, the other fives, it literally goes up to heaven, guys. It literally, it's like when the priest in the Old Testament would offer up an incense offering or a grain offering or an animal offering and that smoke would go up. It was symbolic of it being offered up to God. Every time we offer a sacrifice, the Bible says it literally goes to heaven. Think about this. And it's there as a memorial. That's pretty cool. A memorial means it just stays there. It's kind of like a picture on the wall, right? So I know with your kids and your grandkids and your nieces and nephews, with our smartphones, don't we take a lot of pictures? And on my phone, I have, I have all three grandchildren in one picture, you know, so Joey, Riley, and Ophelia. And Ophelia's like three months old. And so I have them all in this pose, and it's on my phone, whether it's opened or closed. Whenever I push a button, I see my three grandkids. And every time I see them, I smile. You guys are the same way with your children, your grandchildren. Well, your offering goes to heaven and it's like the pictures on our phone. And when God sees it, he smells it. It's a beautiful offering, a beautiful smell. God smiles when he sees that. And our offerings, when we understand what we're doing, it changes everything that we do in our lives. It's a beautiful thing. It will change the way you worship. So we 
are painted, a picture of us is painted in the Old Testament. It's the Old Testament priests. They were the Levites. So the Levites were one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Their father was Levi. He was the third born of Jacob. And God took him and said, I'm separating him. I don't want him to do anything. Him and all his offspring are going to be Levites or priests. And he said, Aaron will be the high priest. And then Aaron's son and his grandchildren, they're gonna be the high priest, but all the other Levites will be priests unto me. So the high priest is a type of Jesus, but all the other priests are a type of Christians. So here's their garb. Take a look at their garb. This is what they wore. So the guy on the right, um, he is the high priest. You see his front and back, and that's a type of Jesus. That was Aaron and his son and his grandson, children. They were the high priest. The guy on your left that's a regular everyday Levite, and that's what he wore. He wore that white robe and the multicolored belt and the head garb, and that is a type of you. And so we'll look at many aspects of these Old Testament priests as we go through this series. I just want to intro the idea of a priest to you because for some of us it just might be new or it may be strange, but man, that's who you are, and that's what God made you to be. So I just want to help you understand three things about these priests. And here's the first thing, guys. Um, Bible priests offer sacrifices, and that's our whole series. So I just wanted to list it. That's all I have to say. We'll, we'll see what those six sacrifices are as we go on. Here's the second. Bible priests are born. They're not made. So you couldn't be Reuben's. Uh, of the tribe of Reuben, the firstborn of Jacob, and say, I, I just decided I want to be a priest. I'm going to go to school to be a priest. No, no, you had to be born a Levite to be a priest. And it's the same for you and I. We have to be born again. And if you're born again, you don't have to go to school. You can learn some things about your priesthood. But guys, you're born that way. And I love what this scripture reads. Listen to this, 1 Peter 2, 9. It says this. This is you, the Christian. Listen, listen. TCI guys, Borman, listen. But you are God's chosen and special people. Isn't that pretty cool? God has chosen you. And we're gonna do a series on sovereignty after this one. And that might sound boring to you, but it's gonna be anything but boring. And you know, God chose you. I mean, he picked you out. That's pretty cool, man. And, and you're very special to God. Listen to this. You are a group of royal priests. Every Christian is part of the royal priesthood, and you're a part of a holy nation, and God has brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now you must tell all the world the things that he has done. So all of us are born priests. And again, uh, I, I'm not saying anything negative about a Protestant priest or a Catholic priest. They have to go to a lot of schooling to become a Protestant or Catholic priest. And, and I'm not saying anything negative there, but you know what, if they accept Christ as their savior, they're also Bible priests. Everybody's a Bible priest that accepts Christ, and it's a very important, very significant thing. It's a place of honor, significance, and great authority. Here's the third thing, just introducing the series right now. Bible priests wear special garments. We saw the garments, right? Us everyday priests, we wear the white robes. That's what they wore. That's a type and shadow of you. So listen to what God said about the high priest, and it would be true about all the Levites. Exodus 28.2. Make sacred garments for your brother Aaron to give him dignity and honor. And we saw how sacred and how different his gear was. But all the Levites have something very special. We're, we're 
symbolized by that white robe. So Aaron's a type of Jesus, but these other guys are a type of us. And I'm gonna read an Old Testament scripture, but it is prophesying or prophetic about the church, the Christian. Listen to what it says. Isaiah 61.10. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. And if you've accepted Christ, you have that garment of salvation, but guess what? He's wrapped you in a robe of his righteousness. So these priests, when they woke up, they put their robe on. They went through their day with their robe on and they just reminded themselves, we've been set apart by God and we are priests. Do you know every morning you wake up, you have that robe of righteousness on? And God's created you and called you to offer up these spiritual sacrifices. So we're gonna deal with five of them. You already know one, worship. Here's the most important one out of all of them. We'll deal with it today. This is our lesson. And this is my big idea for this lesson. This is what I want us to walk out understanding more clearly than ever. And it shows us our number one most important sacrifice and it goes like this. A surrendered life is our sacrifice. Most important one. If we don't learn to do this one, we will not do the others. We just won't want to. What's a surrendered life? It's just you and I saying, you know what, God? I love you so much, and I just surrender my life. Everything about me, I surrender to you. And that is not an easy thing to do. I want to help you understand it. I've had a lot of surgeries in my life, just from injuries, football, things like that. Now, the first one I hardly remember, I think I was in second grade, and they had to take my adenoids, my tonsils out and put little plastic tubes in so my, my ears would drain and that type of thing. I hardly remember that. But my freshman year, I was playing football, I broke my leg the fourth game of the season, but I didn't know I broke it at the time, but it hurt like crazy. So at, after that game, I had my mom take me to the hospital, they x-rayed it, they said, it's not broken, you can keep playing. So I iced it and I played game five, and then after that game, I said, Mom, it's, something's wrong. She took me back to the hospital. They said, it's not broken. It must be a bruise. Our x-rays don't show any breaks. I played all the way to game 10 doing that. And after game 10, I was limping. And I said to my mom, you need to take me to another hospital because something's wrong with this x-ray machine. So she took me to another hospital. And I remember the doctor walking in. He's looking at my mom. And he looks at me. And he says, we've got a problem. Your leg has been broken for weeks. But here's the problem. It's actually begun to heal, but it's healing the wrong way, and you're going to limp the rest of your life, so we have to go in, do a surgery, re-break your leg, and put it back together. And I'm like, no. And he said, yeah, we're going to do that. And they set up a time, and I'm telling my mom, I don't want surgery. I don't want surgery. I don't want to do it. I'm worried about my leg getting cut off, never having it again. <laughs> I was in such fear. And I remember going in for the surgery, and the anesthesiologist gives me a shot. And then he has that gas mask and he's coming at me with this mask. And I'm a nervous wreck. And I just said, you know what? I decided I don't want this surgery. I don't want it. He says, you're here, you're gonna have it. And he goes to put the mask up. I grabbed the mask and pushed it away and said, no, I just wanna go home. So there were some guy attendants and there were some nurses. They held me down. And I'm screaming, I wanna go home. Remember, I'm a freshman in high school. And I'm like, I wanna go home. And then I see that mask come and it's coming and it's coming and pretty soon it's on my face and then I'm out. And I woke up very angry. And I felt for my leg and I was so excited it was still there. <laughs> I had a cast up to my hips. 
for I think it was 12 weeks, and it did end up healing. I'm not limping. See, I'm walking good, but um, I was so angry. Now, why did I share that story? Here's why, guys. God is never going to force you to submit to him. He's not gonna hold you down and put his gas mask on you and say, you've got to surrender. You've got to surrender to me. He's never going to do that. God wants you and I to surrender on our own. And many of us have so many broken things in our life, like my broken leg. God wants to reset it. God wants to fix it. And in order for him to do that, we have to let him take us into his surgery, which is just surrendering our life. And then God begins to do these amazing things in our lives. So I want to ask you a question. Who listening, TCI Borman, Warren, who's fighting off the gas mask and thinking, I'm going to stop this from happening? I want you to know God's not even trying to put it on you. God's wanting you to yield and just say, I surrender my life to you. Here's a cool scripture, guys. You ready? Romans 12:1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, that's chapters one through 11. We just heard, if you read those chapters, man, this is all the things God did for you if you accepted Jesus. He said, in view of that, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. That phrase, true and proper worship, you know, you know the best way to translate it? Or another way to translate it is, it's the foundation of all worship. Every sacrifice we do, this is the foundational sacrifice. And it changes everything in our life because God can do some incredible things in us. Notice what he asks us to do. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. What does it mean to offer your, your body up to God? Well, we're three-part being. And so the real us is our spirit man inside our body. And God's saying, I want you to just offer up your entire life. And did you notice how it says a living sacrifice? I think that's really important, the living sacrifice, because you and I can walk off the altar anytime we want. And so we're alive. And so I have noticed in my life, I've surrendered my life to God and then I've walked off that altar a lot of times in 40 years or I've offered up a part of myself and one part's saying, God, you own me, but there's a bunch of other parts I haven't surrendered yet. And here's what God's asking us to do. A surrendered life is our sacrifice. He's saying, guys, just surrender yourself to me and I'll see that, that will literally go up to heaven as, a, as an offering and it will be a memorial before God and he's saying, I will change you and impact you like you could never, ever believe. And so that's our sacrifice. So I'm gonna tell you a secret right now and you guys have to promise you won't let anybody know, but I, I wanna tell you my agenda, okay? I have an agenda as Pastor Joe, so we gotta keep it to ourselves, okay? TCI, Borman, online. TV, we gotta keep this to ourselves, right? Here's my agenda, right? I wanna bring every person that comes into our doors, Borman TCI here, every person that hears my voice, I wanna bring them to a place to where they surrender to God. Not to religion, not to believers, not to me, but you surrender to God. And if I can bring somebody to that place, God will take that life and make it into something so beautiful. And so just imagine we're in our priestly garb and we just go through our life with the attitude, God, you own me. And I wanna help you understand a couple things about this. Here's the first one, you ready? A surrendered life understands they died with Christ. Remember, you're a three-part being. And I wanna read you a verse in a moment. 
But the Bible actually teaches us that when we accept Christ, the real us, our spirit man dies and God puts a new person inside of us. But we have to see ourselves that way. So I was 10 years old or so, playing in our backyard and a bird hit a window. You know, we've all seen those poor birds flying to windows. And so I run over to see what's going on and he's, he's kind of out cold, but I can tell he's alive. So I picked him up and I tried to get him to fly, but he wouldn't fly. So I found a box, I put grass and leaves in it. I set the bird in the box and I thought I'll get him some water and I'll get him some worms and I'll take care of this bird. So I put him in a closet in our garage and I would bring him worms and water, but he wasn't drinking, he wasn't eating. A couple days, I don't know, two or three days, he died. But I couldn't get rid of him. So I kept him in that closet in the garage. And I'd go see him, you know, because I grew attached to him. Um, I had a tender heart for a while, you know, uh, before I went bad, you know. And so I'd go see him. So I don't know, weeks, maybe two weeks later, my dad's in the garage, and I'm just riding my bike around the garage and driveway. And, and I hear my dad say, what smells? And, and I, I go, I don't know. And then I remembered my bird. I thought it could be that, but I didn't tell my dad. So he's looking, he opens the closet, he sees the box, he looks in the box and he sees a dead bird. He goes, Joey, whose bird is this? And I said, Mike's. No, uh, <laughs> I wanted to say Mike's, but I was a tender kid still. I said, dad, that's mine. He goes, Joe, what are you doing with a dead bird? And I said, Dad, I grew attached to him. I told him about the window and all that. I said, I didn't want to throw him away. Now, my dad had a way with words. He had a way with words. He was an incredible dad. And one of his sayings always made me laugh because I could explain something to him and say, Dad, you, you, know, you don't understand. You don't understand the culture. This is what's going on, and this is what's happening. And then he would just look at me, all this explanation, 10, 15 minutes, and he'd just say, Son, it just ain't right. And it, no matter what I said, it just ain't right, son. And so that's what my dad would say. But he looked at me and said something that was so profound. And I thought about it in preparing this message. And he just looked at me. And he just looked at me and said, why are you keeping this, son? I said, because I just didn't want to throw it away. And he, here's what he said to me. But he's dead, Joe. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, he's dead. But he's dead, Joe. And I want you, listen, I want you to wake up tomorrow. I want you to look in the mirror. And I want you to say, but I'm dead. I'm dead. I want you to look in that mirror and say, I died with Christ. And I'm telling you, it will change your life. Because if you're dead, what are you hanging on to? If you died with Christ, why are you hanging on to that old life? That old life is dead. But you're dead, Joe. Someone was walking out last night, and I'm greeting people in the lobby, and they whisper in my ear. They did the Godfather accent. <laughs> and, and they just whisper. I don't know what they're going to tell me. I'm speaking to someone, and I, I see them reach over, and they go, uh, you're dead, Joe. But they did the Godfather. I can't even do it. <laughs> And then they walked away laughing at me. I thought, I, I, they might kill me in the parking lot. I don't know. Uh, a surrendered life knows they died with Christ. Guys, under, here's scripture, ready? Galatians 2.20. This is true of every Christian. I have been crucified with Christ. This is true of every one of us. When you accepted Jesus, the Holy Spirit took you. He baptized you, not water, but the Holy Spirit baptized He baptized or immersed you into Christ, which means you died with him, you were buried with him, and you were raised with him. Listen, I've been crucified with Christ. This is the real you inside your body. 
I no longer live, but it's dead, Joe, right? But Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I noticed when I came to the place in my life where I realized I'm dead. What am I hanging on to this area or that area for? I died with Christ. And there's something so beautiful inside you. Listen to the scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.17. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He is not the same anymore a new life has begun. And every one of us, that's that robe of righteousness. We're born again in the image of Christ. And we just say, God, you own me and I surrender my life to you. And I wanna just help you understand that. I wanna do my best to bring this to life for you. Uh, there's a story about Moses. And Moses uh, grew up in Pharaoh's castle uh, but he was a Hebrew. And so he was born of a Hebrew mom and dad, but Pharaoh was upset with the Israelis who were their slaves. So he said, I want every male Hebrew, I want them put to death. So uh, Moses' mom was supposed to kill him, but she couldn't kill him. So she hit him. Then she found out that Pharaoh's daughter had a baby that died. So she puts Moses in this little ark and he goes down the river when she's at the river in the morning. She pulls him out. Moses literally means pulled from the river. She raises him as a prince. Right around 40, he decided, I'm gonna go over with the Hebrews, and he felt a nudge. But he tried to help some Hebrew slaves out. He killed some Egyptians. So he had to run, and he went to the backside of the wilderness. He spent 40 years as a shepherd. And for 40 years, he just watched sheep. Now he's 80 years old. And he's ready to go to the next phase, but he doesn't know it. And God appears to him in the burning bush. And just imagine, a bush is burning, but there's no smell. Uh, none of the branches are disappearing. And he walks over to the bush. He's just curious, what is this bush? And God speaks out of the bush and says, Moses, this is holy ground. Take off your sandals. And so, boy, he's freaked out. He does that. And then God asked him a question, and God's asking every one of us listening right now, he's asking the same question. Here's what he said to Moses. What's in your hand? That's the question. You, you can read this story. The, it's up there, the story you can read. He's asking him, what's in your hand? Now, you know what was in his hand? His shepherd's staff. Do you know what that shepherd's staff represents? who he is, his gifts, his abilities, his talents, what he's done for 40 years. And God asked him, what's in your hand? And he's asking every one of us, what are your gifts? What are your abilities? Who are you? He's saying, what's in your hand? And you know what he, you know what he said to him after that? He said, throw it down to the ground. And Moses threw his staff to the ground and it became a snake and it freaked the heebie-jeebies out of him and he's like screaming and wanting to run. God said, get back here. And so there's, it's a living snake now and God said, pick it up. And Moses is like, are you sure? He said, yeah, pick it up. And he picks it up and it turns back into a staff. Now there's always double and sometimes triple meanings in the Bible. So didn't God use him to do that in front of Pharaoh and that snake ate Pharaoh's snakes? But it's also very symbolic of us surrendering to God. And here's what God said. He said, Moses, give me everything you've got. Throw it down. And he did. And God breathed life into it. 
But when he took it back, it went right back to the rod. And God's wanting to show us something because now it's not just the staff. It became the rod of God. And you know, that's the staff that he hit the Nile River with and it turned to blood. That's the staff he hit the Red Sea with and it split. That's the staff he hit that big rock in the wilderness, bang, and water came out. It gushed out and it quenched the thirst of over one million Israeli people in the desert. I mean, that's miraculous. He held that staff up and Israel won a battle. If he put it down, they lost and then he put it up and they would win again. And it just became this powerful thing. Here's what God's saying to every single one of us. When we surrender our life, it's this beautiful sacrifice that goes up to heaven, but then God breathes on our life. He resets every broken bone in our life. He breathes on our life, and we become people that impact everybody in our circle of influence, and God uses us. You may not realize what he's doing through you, but a surrendered life is our sacrifice, and God begins to do these incredible things through the people of God. So as we offer up this sacrifice, God begins to change us, grow us, and he begins to use us like he did Moses in the, th the third phase of his life from 80 to 120. That's what he wants to do in every single one of our lives. I wanna ask you a question, then we have to pray. Are you excited that God's able to take our life and breathe life into it and use us for his glory? If you're excited, TCI Borman here, can we give it up for God and just say thank you, God? It's amazing. It's amazing. So let's bow our heads, close our eyes, let's pray. Father, I did my best to teach this aspect of our sacrifice, Father, and we thank you that that first sacrifice can just be the surrender of our life. And Lord, it goes up to heaven. And, and Father, I know the majority of people listening, they have already done that. And, but they're like me. Maybe there's another little part of their heart they haven't surrendered yet, but you've been dealing with them. And Lord, Sometimes we want to hold on to it, but we just forget we're dead. What are we holding on to? We're, we're eternal creatures who spend eternity in heaven. And so, Lord, for some, this is the first time they're just saying, I surrender. And we'll never be perfect, but we'll grow as we surrender. And Lord, for others, we're saying, you know what? I was on the altar. I ran away. Now I'm going to come back and just surrender. Not to man, not to Pastor Joe, not to believers, not to a religion, not to a denomination. But I surrender to you. And God, I thank you that his hearts are sur surrendering everywhere in all our campuses. I thank you that that's going up as a sweet smelling fragrance to heaven. And Lord, I thank you that you're breathing life into your people and you're re structuring and fixing the broken things in our life. And I just thank you, Lord, for what's going to happen as we go forward. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I really believe the Spirit of God wants to speak and minister to hearts. And while we're allowing that to happen, we're all in this attitude of prayer. Maybe you walked in today, TCI, Borman, Warren, and you weren't sure of your forever. That's the first surrender, right? When we say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God and I accept you as savior. That's when God clothes us with that robe of righteousness and we become priests. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen very carefully. I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm not asking you to join a religion. I'm asking you, what have you done with Jesus? And here's, here's what we have to deal with in America. We call America, Europe is the same way. All of the West is the same way. It's a post-Christian society, which means everybody knows who Jesus is intellectually. But a lot of people 
that know who he is, they haven't given their hearts to him. And that's what the Bible's asking. Jesus said, if you believe in your heart that God raised me from the dead and you confess with your mouth that I'm Lord, I'll save you. He said, whoever calls on my name, I will save them. So that's the big question. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're listening, you say, I haven't done that, but I'm ready to do it. Would you pray with me right now? Everybody else in the rooms, can we help them out? Let's pray it with them. Let's pray loud enough for them to hear us. If you're praying for the first time, just simply mean it. Say, Lord God, I realize I was born sin-stained and I need a savior. And this day, I look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. You died for my sins. God raised you from the grave. I receive you as my savior and I bow my heart and I call you Lord. I make a decision today to follow you. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.